the Lord is faithful. The journey began on Sunday and it's been all glorious. And we give him praise. Yesterday the visitation was intense. And today God is going to speak to us again. So we'll begin to go from strength to strength, adding one onto the other. A little here, a little there, and then we are making progress. My prayer for you this night is that God will open your understanding. Grant you insight into his word. And let the word be of much profit to you. In the name of Jesus Christ. We silence every distraction and command his peace upon our lives in the name of Jesus. Please have your seats and give glory to God for he is faithful. Hallelujah. Praise God. In the next few minutes, we are looking at the blood of his cross. Amen. It's a top-up to what I spoke about on Sunday. The blood of his cross. I will do a quick flash to the Old Testament types. And then we come to talk about Jesus, the son of the living God. And the blood that was shed at Calvary. Hallelujah. We said on Sunday that love is the top root of the cross of Jesus. And that makes it different from every other kind of cross that Israel and the entire Roman Empire had ever known. His was different. So the fruit of that cross radiated the love of God and we have had the privilege of eating of that fruit and what we carry on our inside is nothing but the blood I mean the favor and the love of God at all times now the significance of blood is yet another topic to look at closely but let me just do a little flirtation with that in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 21, we come to see a manifestation of God's love. The first couple that God created, Adam and Eve, flouted the instruction God gave them concerning one particular tree in the Garden of Eden. He told them not to eat of it. But they allowed themselves to be deceived by the devil. And they went to eat of it. You know the story very well. And so God, God's punishment that he has proclaimed early on, which was separation from him between himself and those that he had created, began to come into operation. What they did was unpardonable. It was deliberate. They tried to shift the blame onto the devil. 
but it was a deliberate thing. But God expressly instructed them. And yet they went on. I won't go into that story. Now read from verse 22 of chapter 3 to 24. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us to know good and evil. And now lest he put out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. So he drove out the man and he placed cherubim at the east of the garden of Eden and a flaming sword which turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. Go on. Now, before this time, God had done something. In the early verses, just before the passage that we just read, God decided to clothe the two of them with skins of animals. And that is found in verse 21. There's a humor just before that one. It's very interesting. A man who has been put under heavy judgment had the delight of giving name to the wife. It appears he never understood what was going on. The previous verse to that 21 verse 20 says, And Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. You are under punishment. You are giving name to your wife. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But that's the way we go ahead in doing things our own way. Unto Adam also, verse 21, and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them. You may want to find out where the skins came from. Nobody had eaten an animal till that from the records we have in the Bible. Nobody had killed any animal before that time. Because the things that God asked them to eat, the animals were not part of it. As to that point. So where did the skins come from? God's eyes are too pure to behold iniquity. Would God be ever, will he be able to look at these people again? For what he had done? God is a God of love. That's why when you go against God, don't kill yourself kill that thing that you went against because he still loves you you won't ever get to a point where God will say I hate you and that I want you dead no he hates the sin you go into but he still loves you and waiting for you to turn around and that is a caution to us that we don't look at people and brand them for what they have done wrong speak against what they have done scold them but don't hate them and stop judging them you get angry and so offended because somebody has done something that you think should not have been done that person still needs your love 
that person still needs my love. Don't let us blow the things that people do beyond proportion and make such things become a topic of discussion when we meet in our small groups. Because the question that Jesus asked when that woman who was said to have committed adultery was brought to him, he said, the one who has never sinned, let him be the first to throw the stone. And nobody had the capacity to stand before him again. All of them had sinned before. So be very careful when you find your brother who has been wounded by the enemy and you still want to kill that person instead of trying to heal the wounds. You are not showing forth the nature of God at all. Don't take delight in speaking about people's sins. All of us have gone that way before. But when you come to deeper understanding with God, you will not do those things again. When you go to walk according to the love of God, you won't do them. You should rather be, be, be sad that your brother had gone that way. With all the things that he's been taught, with all the things that you believe that he knows, and indeed he does. Should he go to that extent? He has gone. What shall we do? Rescue. Do what? Rescue. We rescue. We don't kill. Don't make yourself a holier than thou person. As if we never make any mistake. God did something for us to learn from. He was the one that killed the animals and used their skin as clothes for them. And from sources that I have in my course of my studies over the years, I came across something I believe in so much. That God put the, the very, very, very fresh skin on them with blood dripping down their bodies. It was, it was an act that made it easy for them to look up to God. There was a need for blood, for sins to lose their venom. So God did that one, but it didn't stop him from punishing them. Sure, he sent them out of the garden to go out there and go and see the other side. Of the world they applied to go to. They applied by the act that you see in the early parts of chapter 3. They had applied to go out and go and see the other side to have fellowship with the devil. I gave an illustration here one time when we were talking about the issues of new birth. From Romans chapter 8. The ones that he did for no, what did he do? These are the ones that he programmed to conform to the image of his son. He called them, he justified them and made them his own. And God doesn't expect us to go back to where we came from. So I use an illustration, which I picked from somewhere, of a people who are traveling from Makra, for instance, all the way to Navrongo, and they are in a bus, a fully air-conditioned bus. 
on their way. Someone had leaned that door. The bus stopped for them to refresh. And one of them decided to do what he was not permitted to do. And became victim to the devil's own devices. Or someone in the bus now decided to peep, to peep and see what is outside there. What are you looking for outside there? The daughter of Jacob decided to go out and, and, and see how the city where they dwelt looked like. What was her name? What was her name? Dinah. Let me go there and see how the city looks like. You are in the enclave of your father. You are on a land that was different from the entire land. Now let me go and find out. And the process, she got raped. What wouldn't have happened to her if she had continued to be with her father? Happened to her outside there. The day Eve granted interview to the devil, she didn't know that was to be the beginning of their destruction. But God in his mercy still paved a way for them to be able to have some kind of fellowship with him. You should understand at this point, you are a child of God. There is nothing that would truncate your access to fellowship with your God. It doesn't matter what you do. The only thing is that you need to love your God so much to feel the pain of disappointment that you have already generated. He says, I will never leave you nor desert you. I won't abandon you. That is his word. But every time you go off, you are the one who will turn your back from looking at his face. God does not leave his people. They leave him. Amen. They leave him. So when they go and come back, they still meet him there. He created the avenue for them to have um, encounters with him. To be able to fellowship. At least hear him. I've been able to pray at least. Ask God, have mercy on me. Without that one, there wouldn't have been any relationship at all between them and God. The blood was shed for a purpose. In chapter 4, we see the two young men that were given birth to by this couple, Cain and Abel, going in to sacrifice unto God. Cain went to his land and picked some from the fruit over there and gave to God. And his sacrifice was not accepted by God. But Abel checked his flock and picked the best and made a blood sacrifice unto God and God accepted his sacrifice. And as a result, his brother was furious and eventually killed Abel. I'm talking about what blood can do. So if your sacrifice is not a blood sacrifice, then check out and see the need for you to go back 
to your notes and examine yourself and see what you should do. So present yourself as what? A living sacrifice. Present yourself. You must present yourself first as a living sacrifice before your offering can speak to God. Have we seen how many times we just dash money to church without making any appeal to God? And uh, since we don't know where you are bringing the money from, why it is blessed like this? We use for church. Blood sacrifice. I'm not saying go and kill anybody. I'm not saying carry blood from the house and bring it here. I'm not saying squeeze somebody's child's neck and get blood. No, I'm talking about a sacrifice that is acceptable unto God. Already a sacrifice has been made on your behalf. A blood sacrifice has been made on your behalf and you walk in that light. As long as you walk in it, your sacrifices coming from a pure heart and a clean heart rooted in love for God obviously is a blood sacrifice and is acceptable unto God. Glory to God. Now this is God at work dealing with man according to their level of understanding per time. And in chapter 22 the entire chapter is virtually dedicated unto this story of Abraham going to sacrifice Isaac because God asked him to. And he chose to go to do that. Scripture says in Hebrews also that God saw Abraham had already killed that son because in his heart and in his mind he had offered the boy. And indeed, he went to the extent of building the altar and putting the boy on it. The firewood was under. And he was ready to slash his throat. Lifted his hand until a voice came from heaven. Abraham, don't touch that child. I thank God that he had ears to hear. If he had not heard that instruction, he would have killed that boy. And of course, the rest would have been the assignment of God. Whether he would bring the boy up as he was or give him an alternative. But he heard the voice of God. And God now made a provision for that sacrifice. And that lamb that was slain was the substitute for Isaac. God was giving us a picture of something that was about to happen later in life in fulfillment of Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15. The prophecy that came out after man had fell. God spoke. He gave a prophecy of a change, the turning of the tables against the enemy. Now on this occasion, God was giving us a picture. It's very interesting to note that Mount Moriah, upon which Isaac was supposedly killed, not killed, but offered unto God. It was about the same mountain 
where Jesus was crucified. Several hundreds of years before that time. God does not do things accidentally. No. Everything about God is programmed. With definite features that must surely come to pass. That was important for you to walk with God with an open heart and with a hearing ear. That when he speaks, you will know what he's talking about. God does not engage in afterthoughts. Okay, let me just do this because of this. No. See, I'm the Lord that changed not. He doesn't change. Okay, so how, how come that sometimes he wants to punish and then he doesn't punish because you changed? Who did they change in? We are the ones. When we change what he said he would do, he stops doing that one because we have changed. Father, I'm sorry. Forgive me. In the name of Jesus. And then he drops the knife. He does not change. If God were to change the way men want him to change, by now the Bible would have been declared null and void and of no effect. Because something clauses would have to be put in there. Some must be removed. In something very prominent like I, the Lord God, the creator of the universe, do hereby declare that from this day I love sin. That's one thing God, people want God to do. Including Christians. We want God to come and make a proclamation to legitimize sin. If you like, ask them. Ask them. When I say them, you understand what I'm talking about? Ask them. Your own brothers and sisters. Ask them. Ask them. Ask them. People who trade in sin and love sin and they sin without any form of regret. If they had your way, God should come up and bring some changes, some amendments, constitutional amendments. This was no referendum because he knows what is on our minds already. He will not make the mistakes. <laughs> Let's have referendum. He knows. He knows. Jesus said he knows what men carry, so he gave himself to none. But this God does not change. We don't relate with him on our terms. We relate with him on his own terms. So when you decide to walk with him, you must understand that his ways are the ways you've got to follow. When this man did not keep the son away from God, God made some pronouncements. In one of my Bibles, I wrote that the day God got drunk. That's what I wrote over there. It may sound blasphemous, but it's not. It's not. Well, God made some very serious statements over there as if he was drunk. <laughs> he was overwhelmed by love. He said, now I know that you fear me. It means that I know that you love me. A person you don't love, you cannot revere. I know that you revere me. You respect me so much. Because you love me. That was what he meant. The whole exercise was a test on how much he could love God, to what extent he could love God. 
God does not bring temptation your way that will kill you. The Bible says he doesn't tempt. He, doesn't, he only allows. But this man had to be proved. And he knew that he had the capacity to go through it. There's no temptation that will come our way that we don't have enough strength and capacity to handle and to overcome. So every assignment that God brings your way as a Christian, he knows you have the capacity for it. So the issue of I don't know, I've not done it before. I taught in a school, I was head of the department and uh, we do timetable and the program was there. You handle this, handle that. One of the lecturers looked at me and said, I cannot teach this one. I asked him why. He said, they didn't teach me at the university. Hmm? They didn't do what? So I said, okay, pick what you want. One lady asked me, if we pick, which one will you teach? And the ones you can't teach, I will teach. And then she asked a very interesting question. Did they teach you everything? I said, no. They taught me how to know everything. They taught me how to do what? Know everything. How can you go through university? and have a first degree and will not be able to do research on your own concerning a subject matter that you've not been taught at all an area you have never gone to you go in there because you have been prepared to be able to do analysis so you are a person as set aside by God you have the Holy Ghost in you you are anointed every terrain that God permits you to go you have the capacity to triumph in that area so when he tells you go into business, he knows you can triumph. He knows you can excel. He knows you'll do well. So don't go and sit in the corner and say they didn't teach me in school. Which school are you talking about? The best school in life is the school of the spirit. Most times the, the, the lessons are done through challenges. Through what? You have heard me say again and again that challenges are vitamins for progress. You want to progress? Then you've got to. God made that declaration and it's very interesting. Mm. Verse 15 And the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time and said, By myself have I sworn, seer the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing and hast not withheld your son, thy only son, that in blessing I will bless you and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of heaven and as the sand which is upon the seashore and thy seed shall possess the gates of his enemies. Thy seed, not thy seeds, but that seed that is going to come out of you shall possess the gates of his enemies. He was talking about Jesus. Hallelujah. God swore by himself. That's why I wrote that he was drunk. God, how can you swear by yourself? There was nothing to swear with and swear by. He said, by myself. Upon my own honor. These days when people say, upon my honor, think seven times how many times seven first find out is there an honor does he have an honor any dignity at all 
<laughs> don't, don't stand there and say, I swear by my honor that whatever it is, I will be a defense around you. It's a lie. Complete lie. Yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Right. And thy seed, and in thy seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Have you met this one before somewhere else? Somewhere else, somewhere different from this place. Chapter 12 of Genesis. The four dimensional blessings. It was a complete seven thing. Four seven. Over there. The ending was in your, by you, all nations of the earth. Because of your descendants, they shall be blessed. Talking about the seed. That Abrahamic covenant was God's plan to set start a new nation because the first couple disappointed him. Now he wanted a nation that will receive him, walk with him and radiate his faithfulness out there. So from that nation, he could read the entire world. And that was the purpose for that sacrifice that was made. But Israel that came out of Abraham disappointed God. But God reserved what he has said to Abraham. So in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 13 and 14, he talks about that one. When we come to Christ, we have become part of that nation of God. The nation that he dreamt about several years ago. We become members of that nation and we become partakers through Christ Jesus. Partakers of the covenant, the promises that he made to Abraham. Everything there is because of God's love for us. He could have closed the chapter. The blood of the cross of Jesus was the blood that came out of the love of God. And it did great things. Yesterday, one of them, one of the elements of the fruit, the beauty, the triumph, was displayed here in his word and in act or in deed shows the faithfulness of God. Amen. It shows the faithfulness of God. You can partake of all the fruit. Eat, swallow, let it enter every part of your being if you don't maintain a right relationship with him. It's just like after eating and you say you are going to sleep. Of course, there are people, no matter what they eat, when they sleep, they have, they have no problem. They will still wake up very strong. Except that after some years, it will begin to show. After, after you have finished eating heavy food, you see you are doing exercise. What you will get there will just take away the essence of the meal that you took. There is something that God had programmed from the very beginning. And that's why I know that God's program for your life that your eyes have never seen doesn't cross your understanding at all. People have fought against that one. It will still come to pass. So they say, even if the vision tarries, just press on because it will not tarry. That's one of the very queer expressions I've ever met in life. That when it tarries, it will not tarry. He was presenting two time dimensions. In your own timing, it is 8 o'clock. The next one is 9 o'clock. 
the next one is this so if 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 by 12 midnight it has not happened it's late but in the program of god he talks about eternity and so he is never late it may tarry your eyes he said but wait for it it won't tarry in my program it will come to pass what i said about you years before you were born will still come to pass let me ask you something you may have to try it and see if you you find any expression sometimes you get to a place in life a particular spot and then suddenly you begin to think as if you had gone to that place before if you have experienced that one sit down and think ask god why it's as if you have gone there before it's as if you have been prepared for that place and suddenly you land there and you are at ease whatever god has programmed for you no matter what it is when you land in that one everything becomes familiar everything becomes familiar there is nothing that will be strange to you because you have been wired for that assignment so don't give up don't do what don't give up when people said i will be preaching long long before the ones who spoke later one man like this wanted to lay hands on me he couldn't lay hands he told my sister i said this is your brother will go far <clears throat> i wasn't even going to church several years ago but god in his mercy kept what he has programmed the eyes of men began to see and many never thought it to be so just like somebody said to me one day if i had known that one day you become a man of god i would have paid attention to you he said but i didn't even know myself i didn't even know it i didn't like it it's not what you like it's what you are programmed for you are a sign and a wonder you are what a sign and a wonder programmed for that you are programmed for that you may not be seeing that one now but you surely see it you surely will see it just remain on course remain where on course now so these are pictures and scenarios that we pick from the old testament and then something happened later when jesus came in and i'm just going to dwell on that one briefly because my time is almost up the blood of jesus gave birth to a new nation the kind of nation that he actually had programmed god has programmed for that nation he tried it with adam and eve it didn't work he tried that through abraham descendants of abraham worked against it and at a point chose to have a lifestyle of those who were not in god we want to be like other nations one day take time and study that scripture and pray about it and ask the holy ghost to give you insight into what it stands for we want to be like other nations so appoint unto us kings god was their king they rejected him appoint unto us kings we want to be like other nations what kind of crazy stuff is that and we are doing the same now we are doing what the same you are a child of god you have the mind of christ you are an excellent being whatever your hand touches to do must prosper if i want to run my business the way the world does it i will run my business according to the principles in the books which book which book are you talking about 
There is no book that doesn't have any relationship with the Bible here. There's no book. Every principle they are teaching you for success and all those that you go to pay money for, they are all here. In fact, many, many more are here that you've not even explored. But you go and pay money. You will go and pay money, huge sums of money, to go and sit down. Let them teach you principles of success. I took my time one year to do a work in the book of Proverbs. And I saw some things. I taught just one of them in a service. And one man of God, I won't mention his name to you. He said he picked that, that teaching. Sat down and broke it up and developed uh, what they call that their teaching. Motivational teaching. And went to UK. And collected plenty of money. I asked him, okay, where is the tithe now? <laughs> he said, I will just give you my, some of my tips. He landed plenty into my hands. Everything they are doing, they don't give credit to the, to the Bible. It is all of them are here in your Bible. That Bible you are holding. That Bible you are holding. Science is inside. Fish is there inside. This Bible you are holding. Everything about business is here. Everything about marriage is here. Whatever thing you want to do, it is in this Bible. You are carrying this and you still want to go and do what you are doing. I am very careful these days the way I talk because some of the things I say are not popular. Unfortunately for them, I know that I'm not popular. I don't need popularity. I need to do what is right. And then he will make me popular. If God announces you, nobody can denounce you. Let him announce you. So whatever you are doing, if your principles are what you are using, the Bible principles, you will stand out. You do what? You, will stand. you may have initial hiccups here and there. They will try to frustrate you. But hold on to this one because it's a covenant thing. You are covenanted by God to succeed at all costs. No more what the devil does. In your academic life, you are sentenced to excellence. Sentenced to what? Excellence. And you must know it. It is what you gain from the blood of his cross. You are marked out for excellence. Don't ever say that you can't make it. Apostle Paul told us something. He said, I can do all things. How many things? How many things? All things. Is it by my strength? No. How? Through who? Christ. Who does what? The strength there is not that he is massaging your body. It is that your low points, he lifts them up. Where you are weak, he puts in something different. When it comes to understanding, he makes you better than your teachers. Distinguished. Distinguished. I want to encourage every one of you here today. Whatever thing God has given to you as assignment to carry through, have this in your mind that you are excellent. That you are what? Excellent. And let it be what God is inspiring you to do that you do. I've been in this world for some years. I know some of the mistakes that we made. I believe it was quite an issue of lack of knowledge and understanding of the ways of God. 
If I had known God the way I know him now, so many things would have been different. And that's why I talk with that passion. And you may not understand me. I look so queer, some of you. I look very queer. But it's good to be queer, you understand? But when you're a queer person, when people see, they look at you properly. And as they look, they will understand what is going on. I'm telling them truth. Be queer. They are not hard. The things of God are not hard. They only call for discipline. Call for what? Discipline. You make up your mind that you are going to make it and nothing can stop you. See what the blood did. And I want you to go into it and partake of it. Gentlemen, can we go to Matthew 27 and verse 51 to 53. When I'm done, I'll read an inspiration for you here. When the things are coming, my wife looked for brought her phone. He said, say it. We missed some of them anyway. I'll let me record. And I ask her to transcribe for me. I'll just read that for you. If you need further insight into that one, you come and see me. With, um, you go through venison, Abby. Good, good word. Venison. Praise God. All right. Are we there now? Yeah, this is talking about the scene of the cross. What happened when Jesus was crucified? What happened when the blood of Jesus dropped on the earth? So when we are talking about the blood of his cross, this has been there for many years and it saw effect and crystallization at a time when he was put on the cross. And whatever happened there is for you and is for me. It is some like a graphic illustration of what we stand to gain, even though we have gained. But most of us don't know that we have gained those things. Then behold the veil at a particular point. The veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom from top and I'm told that it was about 60 feet how many feet? 60 feet from top to bottom who would be that tall to be able to start tearing the thing from top to bottom on his own accord a force greater than every force came to work on him what is holding your blessing up there that will not give way when God has spoken concerning your life every something is tearing down today for you in the name of Jesus Christ the veil of the temple was divided into two parts from top down and the voice that spoke behind the veil said welcome do what welcome there's no need going through anybody welcome home this is your father talk with me anytime you want to talk to me talk to me when you want to see me just come over you don't need anybody and that's what we are teaching all the teaching that we do on the altar and any other person that you go to is intended to equip us to be able to relate with God with understanding so we don't, be, we don't become projects in the hand of certain ministers. 
a project. You have become a prayer project. They lay hands on you, they didn't work, they lay leg on you, they lay stomach on you, they lay everything on you. It's not working. Then they tell you, go and sacrifice pigeon. What? Since you have defied all the principles, go and sacrifice what? Pigeon. And you go about looking for pigeon sacrifice. <laughs> uh, glory to God. Nothing can hold you down. Nothing can hold your blessings down. In the name of Jesus Christ. He said the earth quaked. Is it there? And then behold the veil, right? And then he said the earth quaked. And the rocks were split. Very interesting. You know how much effort people put in to break stones? They want to break rocks and use the, 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 the pebbles that come from there for some construction work. It takes a lot of effort. But when the blood touched the earth, bam, the earth quaked. Something extraordinary had happened. The king of the cosmic, the blood has gone down. Everything must respond. So a time like this, when you look back to some of those events, and you see that this blood has not died yet, and it will never die, then it should give you understanding that the challenges you are facing in life are nothing but joke. They are what? Stop, 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 stop wailing. Stop wailing, stop complaining, stop telling people how much you have failed and you keep on failing. Is your name failure? The rocks split. All the rocks that have been blocking your way, we believe God this night that every one of them by the power and the blood of Jesus is splitting into two. You are going to pass through those rocks. You will get your destination in the name of Jesus Christ. Some academic rocks are splitting out for you today in the name of Jesus. We have gone through this work a little, a little academics. There are some people who make up their minds. I won't make this one pass, especially the ladies. See, fine girl. You want to take fine girl? Fine girl said, No. I belong to Jesus. He said, What, Jesus? Call Jesus, come and pass you. That's the greatest blasphemy. Unfortunately, some of you keep quiet when they say those things. When they say that kind of thing, you curse them. They should call Jesus to come and pass you. Curse them because you are representing him. Is it not as long as he keeps on staying, having his office, that he can make that noise? If he is sent out in court, dismissed in shame. All those rocks that I give you referred papers are splitting right away now. In the name of Jesus Christ. Some of them very soon you look for them, you won't find them all. They are not dead, but they have no address. You are finished. What is there again? And the graves were opened. I have always loved this one. And the graves were what? Opened. Who opened them? The power in the blood. You have been kept in bondage for long. The graves of bondage, of frustration, of failure. The graves of non-performance. They opened. The graves opened and many, many, many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. Old Testament saints. 
who had fallen asleep were raised. They were packed from the place they called Abraham's bosom. That place was closed down. So all this one that people die and you are making unnecessary statements. Stop, stop. If you have nothing to say, don't talk. God should keep him in Abraham's bosom. It's not there. And they tell you there is a place called, um, called what do you call it? Pegatry. It's not, there's nothing like that. Don't let anybody deceive you. If you don't repent and accept Christ and walk with him, when you die, you are finished. Your judgment has come. There's no place you go for them to clean you up that you are now going to heaven. It's a lie. That's the reason why when people die, I don't, I don't talk too much. I don't talk about the dead over there and tell how powerful the person was. He has finished his job. He has gone. The rest of you who are here, remember one day you go. How are you going to go? Very simple statement. Somebody is dead. People are crying. You now carry a microphone. One hour, you have not pre- finished. What are you talking about? To wake the person up? One church, the church I was born into, one fellow died. And he was, they carried the body to the altar. And he was there for one hour. One hour passed, one and a half hours. Then one man, people said, was crazy. Got to the church vicinity. And then he said, in chief, he said, uh, there's nothing you can do change where the man is going to if he's going to where he has gone so leave that body let us go and throw it away that's what the man said they said he was crazy but he had better understanding than the priest I'm sorry, I wasn't a Christian that time, so I wanted to go and carry that pillow. I gathered some boys and we were going to carry the body from the, uh, from the altar. Because I didn't understand why they were keeping the body there and we were waiting. We are going to do the digging. We are come for the body and you are keeping body inside here to do what? Thank God that my uncle was at the altar when he saw me from the entrance. He called me by my day name and said, God, God. I stood up, shook my head. They would have seen something. I would have just gone there, carried the and put on somebody's head, and then off we'll go to somebody if they don't want it, they should come and pick it back. That was my attitude. They had some things I didn't understand. I wasn't a Christian, but I hated those things. To me, it was nothing but hypocrisy. A person you cannot love today, when the person dies now, you are crying. What are you crying about? Is it the evil that you did? The person is dead. The person can't forgive you again. It's your conscience that you are that you are going to deal with. Not, 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 the person is dead. Please change your attitude. Amen. The graves opened. Whatever grave you find yourself in, that grave is opening today for you. In the name of Jesus. The grave of sickness was tackled yesterday. The grave of failure. That of confusion and frustration. The grave of evil marriage. All those graves are opening for you today. And you are going out to shine forth. In the name of Jesus Christ. And said, those guys, they came out. I can't understand though. Please, theologians here. 
Eh. Basi, you guys should do something. Tell me later. Those people who came out from their grave, where did they go? They went to where? Eh? They went to him. They went with him. Ah. Okay. Did you hear that one? You know, in your Bible, when you read, you don't see anything. All you saw was that a crowd received him. He was moving with a crowd. He had a crowd with him, and a cloud received him. Him, because all of them were inside him. All of them. Including people like David. <laughs> all of them, they woke up. Abraham himself. They woke up. And they walked the streets of Jerusalem. Showing themselves to people. If not God, who can do that kind of thing? It takes the blood of this Jesus Christ to do this kind of thing. And you have this blood working for you and you are still afraid in life. That there's one demon in your family that can kill you. I've told you before. As an unbeliever, I didn't fear them. It's not now I'm going to fear them. I didn't fear any devil. I no witch, nothing. No, nothing. Nothing. When I suspected my 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 aunt that she came to my room to come and cause havoc in the night, I went, I went out. I went to her room, opened it, just banged the door. He came and said, What were you doing in my room? What were you doing in my room? Say you didn't come. I said you came there. It, the story is later. I didn't fear them. I had no power anywhere. I just didn't believe in some nonsense like that. So you want to kill me? Are you the one that gave birth to me? The person who gave birth to me died, couldn't carry me along. Is it you that will kill me? <laughs> eh, you are protected on every side. And you have this blood that is still speaking. The Bible said this blood speaks better things. And the blood of Abel, and that is for you in the name of Jesus Christ. The graves opened, the people came out, and they walked the streets of Jerusalem. And definitely, just like we have said, they went with Jesus. Tell everybody, if they don't believe me, you tell them, they should tell you where they went to. Very simple. Hallelujah. Is there any grave in your life? It is not yours. You died and you rose again. You don't have grave. Hello? You don't have grave and there is no grave about your life that is going to work against you. You died and you rose in Christ. You died in him. You rose in him. You have no grave. In the event that he comes today and we are here alive, we'll go with him. Where will be our grave? No grave. Stop thinking about grave and think about issues that will bring lift in your way. Stop wasting your time. Stop doing what? Wasting your time. It gets that people must be comforted when they are bereaved. Yes. But don't let it carry your entire life. Rejoice with those who are rejoicing. Now I say mourn with those who are mourning doesn't mean go and be crying everywhere. Feel for them. Do what? Empathize with them. Be a comfort unto them. 
Don't despise them. Don't neglect them. Glory. But you know that after, it was after the resurrection that they came out. And Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and what? And life. They couldn't have come out except after the resurrection of Jesus. The gates were opened. And that's why when a believer dies now, he does not go to any place. He is received before the Father. So all the ones that you have kept in the morgue for 10 years, you are wasting money. The church needs that money. Carry the person, go and bury the person, bring the money, we will use it to do something better. Look, by the grace of God, when my time is due and I cross over, you are not permitted to keep my body anywhere. I will make that thing it's a written statement I'll put down. If you flout it, I will whip you from heaven. <laughs> Glory to God. Friends, we belong to a nation. We entered that nation through the principle of death. The death that does not kill, but the death that transforms. That is how we got there. And listen. When Jesus died, just as I mentioned on Sunday, there was just one reason to turn mankind back to God. It was that I was meditating on when the inspiration came. And I will read that one to you. It appears I made some statements that I must, I think I have forgotten about the statements. When he rose again from the dead, the first instruction he gave was go and tell. Go and do what? Go and tell my brethren that they should meet me at Galilee. I promise them we'll meet there. Tell them that we'll meet there. The person where they didn't believe her, it didn't change the fact that Jesus had risen. Go and tell about the risen Jesus. They may not believe you, it doesn't change the truth. The truth is that he has risen. He rose long ago and he never is going to die again. He lives forevermore. My first spiritual teacher told me, said, don't say that Jesus is alive. Say Jesus is life. That's what he taught me. Don't say that Jesus is alive. No, Jesus is what? Life. He said, I am life. He is life. And he lives in you. To ignore or set aside soul winning and project any other thing, including signs and wonders that are manufactured at your will, is equal to establishing a circus 
No circles? Is that how they call it, circles? The English people, please. How do you call it? C-I-R-C-U-S. Aha. Thank you. You know, the statement is a bit bad. Where you go to do display for humor and for the applause of men. Many are doing that. They command a flow of crowds. But they are like clouds without rain. Please listen to me very carefully before you make any assumptions and deductions. When the bubble is punched, there is a deflation and everybody disappears. So when another so-called savior or messiah appears somewhere else with signs and wonders greater than their own, people move and drift. But one who is carrying the word of God across, sharing the gospel, commands the presence of God to confirm what he is saying and produce eternal results. Otherwise, it is a mere fanfare. Mere fanfare. The disciples were busy asking Jesus, when are you going to show this glory to Israel? When will the liberation from the bondage under the Romans come to pass? When will the nation be free? And Jesus said, that is not your business. I'm doing some paraphrasing deductions. That's not your business. But you will receive power when the Holy Ghost comes and that is for just one purpose. You shall be my witnesses. You will show evidence of my faithfulness, evidence of my glory and power. And in doing so, then that which is yours I will make sure I meet those needs. So where is the issue of signs and wonders? And the Lord worked with them, confirming his word with signs and wonders. It has a central place in our work as Christians. But there is something that must be put in place. Go and tell the world about what I came for. And they went. And as they went, he went with them and he worked with them. They said, Jesus is life. And then he made sure that the dead came back to life. He healed the sick. He set them free. Everything they said, he confirmed it. Why? Because the thing that is at the center of his heart was what they were doing. I don't like calling you sons. I like calling you friends. At this my age, the best I can do is to remind you constantly of this one singular thing that holds the key to a life of the supernatural. And that singular thing 
is that he gave that charge. The all power had been given to me. But you go in my name. Go and teach them. Preach them. Go. You will heal the sick. It is in the process of doing this. My son, you are my son biologically and spiritually. There are things I know about you that you don't know because I have not told you. I'm not going to say those things here. You, all the pastors here, all the other men of God, people who have the calling upon their lives, and everyone who is called a Christian, whatever gift God has given to you, it is for the purpose of winning souls. So you are eloquent on the altar. You preach and preach fire. It is for the souls that must be won for the kingdom. And then God will honor you. So when you honor him, then he will do what? He will honor you. Please take note of this thing. Because the church has grown cold. The body of Christ has grown cold. The church worldwide has grown cold. When even Muslims are winning souls, Christians are not. We are busy doing the things that are secondary. That's what we do. Your giftings, the graces that God has given to you, they are there to show forth His glory. To show forth what? His glory. And every one of us has something. Your little smile can warm somebody's heart and bring that person to Christ. A little part on the, on the back of someone who is down may bring revival the person's way. There is always something about your life that will shed light into somebody's darkness. And that is what you must look at for. Pray concerning it. Grow in it. And allow God to use those things to glorify himself. Like I said on Sunday, when you glorify him, he takes the glory first before he glorifies you. And when God glorifies you, no human being can bring you down. I may not be speaking again in this period till Sunday. You may not be seeing much of me now. Um, I'm not traveling. I'm around. Whatever you preach, I hear. Praise God. Because they are there. They are there. They are there. I can, I can listen to you as, you as you talk. I don't have to be here. There's only one person I've missed for so long and because of him I will show up one of the days before Sunday. Just because of him. But please, don't toy with the issue of soul winning. Don't tell me I don't know how to talk. You know how to greet people, don't you? You know how to ask them how they are doing. You know how to tell someone that God is on your side. You know how to tell somebody that you will succeed in the business you are doing. And the person said, well, how am I going to succeed? With all the things happening around. And then the door is open for you. To tell the person, there is nothing too hard for my God to do for you. And he wants you to join him in his family. And then you will see his glory. The work is his job. You introduce the person. And let him handle the person. They may not follow you to this place. But they are in the kingdom. And if those of us who are here go out there winning souls and they go to other churches, 
God who organized himself. He said, and the Lord added to them. The Lord added to them as many as should be saved. What did they do? Everything they did was reaching out to people. Check, go back to Acts. Take your time and study. Think through. Don't be beclouded by your own prejudices. If anybody tells you that soul winning is not important, that person doesn't like you. Let your marriage win souls. Let what? Your marriage win souls. You are selling the market. Let your attitude there win souls. Let people be able to say that this person stands out different. And then he says, not me. It is just the help of God. And then something is springing forth. Go forth from here as light into this world of darkness. And let your light so shine that men shall look at it and praise your Father who is in heaven. None of us here will fail. In the name of Jesus Christ. Wherever we stand and declare the name of Jesus, heaven will answer. And God shall glorify himself. By your hand, God shall bring many into the kingdom. He will heal many by your hands. God will give hope to many by your hands. In the name of Jesus Christ. It is not difficult for God to use you to raise the dead. He is looking for a ready hand to use. Don't forget, you are his hands and you are his feet. The Lord keep on blessing you. Every grave in your life is open today. Every sickness is taken care of. Every curse is cancelled about your life. In the name of Jesus, you are highly favored and you are lifted to his glory. Thank you very much. Hallelujah.